definitely the, the the biggest shift that comes into you know into my head when I think about being being someone working on a project or being someone leading you know leading the full ship is that a notion of leadership and um, and I guess the responsibility and sort of the opportunity that that it brings because ultimately now it's um, the the ceiling is completely lifted for me and I get to yeah. you know I get to pioneer a, um, a new business to, like, and take my team forward as an army. Hello and welcome to the Broad Mindset Podcast. Your host is me, Asteria Ambatapirola. I'm so excited to finally be broadcasting this show and hosting it all the way from Milan, Italy. Join me along with me together with an exclusive list of guests who are thought leaders, academics, creators, entrepreneurs, and scientists, all starting us off from the Namibian landscape. What are we talking about? Everything as it pertains to doing things better and mentally elevated to bring forth the best versions of ourselves in their respective industries. So listen along and hit the subscribe button or simply share an episode that deeply resonated with you. Stick soon. Ciao. So you can start with no introductions, um, what is it that you do, and how you actually also got into it, where you are based, and so it's yours. It's thanks. Yeah, so I'm Tim, the co-founder and newly appointed CEO of Yazi. Um, Yazi is a market research company that uses WhatsApp to allow growing businesses to connect with thousands of Africans. And um, my journey into Yazi started a few months ago, well, about 11 months now, and um, slightly slightly different to a normal entrepreneurial route because I was actually working at um, another company called The Delta. The Delta is a venture builder based in uh, South Africa and Europe. Um, And when I joined, we were a small company, around 23 people. And uh, we were sort of the CEO is a a really passionate and growth-minded guy who was uh, obsessed with this idea of uh, building a business that created other businesses and, and found that, you know, getting stuck in one place was almost, at one business was almost a bit boring and wanted to actually um, create a, an entity that could do that at scale. So through the, the course of, of working for the Delta, we um, launched a number of different ventures and um, we were doing that in partnership with a lot of corporates in South Africa, large enterprises, particularly in the financial services sector. Uh, one of these um, sort of project sets was around informal lending, and we yeah. needed to do a lot of research into the informal sort of economy in, in South Africa uh, to understand if they like their, their needs or their jobs be done, their, their pains um, around lending. And in the process of doing that, uh, of trying to research these consumers, we discovered that it is extremely difficult to do that at scale and uh, with yeah. with any level of of efficiency um, the existing sort of like uh, research infrastructure in in south africa is sort of dominated by the, these large research institutions that have been around for um, many years that will typically charge and in south african rand it's two hundred thousand rand um yeah. i guess that sort of equates to about thirteen thousand i mean yeah thirteen thousand dollars or so and that um yeah. Yeah, that's very 
a very high barrier to a little startup that wants to actually just do some validation and, and discovery. And because yeah. we've been working on WhatsApp bots um, prior to that like point in time, we we sort of looked at we looked at WhatsApp and we looked at the South African population and thought, you know, hmm. maybe WhatsApp is this interesting middle ground where, um, you know, it sits between offline and offline. Um, it's like somewhere in the middle, although it's technically online and using the smart and needs to be used by a smartphone. Um, okay. It's still perceived and used in a slightly different way in that, you know, the penetration rate of people with smartphones um, in Africa or in, in South Africa is around 95%. That's, that's the amount of people that have WhatsApp. It's obviously super comfortable yeah. and data light. And as I said, because we were, we had built that capability already, we started to just pilot the, um, the WhatsApp bot that we had and sort of shifted the existing like, uh, code structure so that we could test with, with some of the people that we'd got to know in our, like, our research exploration and basically simulated the survey experience that you would, um, know if you had done a type form, a survey monkey, a Google form or any of the other survey providers. We simulated yeah. that inside of WhatsApp, and that's what we're currently doing. And through that process, we found that loads of people started to refer their friends, and we yeah. got uh, more and more sort of people signing up, and then started to use it ourselves more and more. And then spoke yeah. to like our network and said, "Hey, would you be keen to use this?" And they said, "Absolutely." Um, and so it sort of un it unfolded naturally and organically like that because we. Um, we were using it ourselves, and and then it got yeah. to a point where we realized we should ultimately commercialize this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's super interesting. And I love the fact that you said um, you you really minted as a CEO. What strengths have you been? Um, yeah. What strengths have you been harnessing um, to to yeah to navigate the role and to manage and basically. To manage and execute everything that you're doing with your team and within Delta as well. Yeah, for sure. I think um, at this point, it's still I'm still in a small team. So as yeah. as the team grows, the role will shift. Um, but I think you know at this point, you are doing a lot of things. So um, exactly. the delegation of work is slightly is limited because it's of the team size. So there's a lot of like just playing multiple roles and um, whilst coordinating between the members. Um, yeah. I think I think probably the, the, the biggest shift that comes into you know into my head when I think about being being someone working on a project or being someone leading you know leading the full ship is that a notion of leadership and um, and I guess the responsibility and sort of the opportunity that that it brings because ultimately now it's um the, the ceiling is completely lifted for me and I get to, yeah. you know, I get to pioneer a, um, a new business to, like, and take my team forward as an army and, um, yeah. sort of go, go at it like it's, it's a real mission. Um, yeah. and I think that's what's been really exciting is, is being able to like lead with, with deep conviction and the knowledge that, um, you know, I can, I can create something that I will be, you know, Sort of not solely responsible, of course, but but be responsible for um, making those you know the, the highest level of decisions. And that that, yeah. that definitely excites me. Okay, 
Yeah, because um, I had another call yesterday. I had a conversation. Also newly appointed. Well, not appointed, but he's the founder of another startup in Namibia. And he raised actually something that was interesting. That's why um, I'm asking the question as well, because for newly, yeah, newly minted CEOs for startups, there's a level of preparation. If you, you know, if you've founded other companies before, at least you have um, experience that you're working with. But for somebody who just, you know, you founded a company and, you know, now you're managing a small team of maybe 10 people. What he raised was that, you know, on some days it's just trial and error. <laughs> that you do know where you want to go as a company, but, you know, in, in the most part, the startup is also building you. It's also showing you areas that you also need to improve and how to better lead your team. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I really posed the question because it also gives insight in terms of what may be needed in a startup ecosystem for executive teams. You know, more like yeah. more training, for example, or more support as well within accelerator programs, which yeah, what sure. I yeah. So that so, so that's it. that's actually why the Delta's model is quite um is quite nice because yeah. how and just to explain the mechanics. So the Delta then in this instance has um, funded something that was developed internally, but then they yeah. wholly owned. But now, as as the uh, entity sort of moves out of its, uh, you know, in the, out of the inside of it, then it becomes a shareholder, and yeah. um, and I still sit inside of the ecosystem, um, but am now a client to the Delta. So it's slightly different. But in terms of those, yeah. I think there's probably probably a lot of those um, details that, as a CEO, as as an executive of a company, that um, you wouldn't even know were issues or things that needed to be done until you got there, uh, maybe mm -hmm. largely around sort of legal or HR, um, yeah, finances. you know, contractual things between, yeah, yeah, finances, managing that sort of thing. Because we sit in, I sit inside that ecosystem, it means that um, it takes a lot of the, the burden off me to try and figure that out because I can yeah. then obviously reach out to someone and, and have that and have the answer or the direction you pointed to me by the person who's done it before. Um, and yeah, to your point, I mean, I guess ecosystems are so crucial. And um, and it's, it's also why you would spend time on you know, sort of business social media and other yeah. you know, read emailers and sort of things because you know that you, I think particularly as um, business now is so much, so, so much more in the habit or so much more in the practice of speaking to the ins and outs of what they're doing, things maybe like exactly. build in public, um, that it almost open sources the, um, the process and much more than it used to. So then, so then putting yourself in spaces where you can observe what other people are doing and how they're approaching um, different scenarios and problem solving in those spaces, it, um, yeah. it obviously makes it a lot easier. No, definitely. And I think it's, it's quite an interesting model as well. Um, because from the Namibian point of view, we are still, we are still in, in, at the infancy level. And such a model, I do believe, would really immensely assist on the startups on the ground where there are support mechanisms, but like you said, all the, the you know, managing first time hand 
uh, understanding how to manage people, how to lead yourself as well. Uh, finances, particularly for, for a startup, is a crucial aspect that most guys that I've seen or, or what I'm observing from a pure leading point of view, it's um, people don't really seem to have a holistic understanding of if you, you know, if you neglect one area of it within your role, it could eventually you know, end up tanking your startup or your company in the long run. So yeah. that's yeah, and just to maybe this was supposed to be part of the, the introduction, but um, and this, that's one of the reasons why you know this podcast was started. For example, we are or well, I'm looking really um, not that I have to be in Namibia or in Southern Africa for now to create products or to create new ways of interacting with people and learning more about what is really happening on the ground. This. This application, for one, we're using it as a mechanism to show people, or the podcast, we're using it, using it as, a, as a mechanism to show people that you don't always have to stick to the traditional way of doing things, like getting the word out for your company, for example, which traditionally in, in my home country, um, there's an over-reliance of going on radio, which is not bad, but it's also just a bit limiting if you're trying to get the word out, you know, um, outside of Africa, for example, where it's, the people within the Western demographics, they are more, they are more inclined to use podcasts, um, around, um, around their brands and whatnot. So, yeah, that's what has given birth to this podcast and also just in the name, Growth Mindset Podcast is really sitting down with people that, you know, as yourself, that have done or are in the process of really working towards um, making a shift, and I love the fact that that your company you, utilizes WhatsApp, which I mean every person on the continent uses WhatsApp on the African continent, and gaining such kind of information or data would it would really set the it would set the would set you apart, in the, you know, especially for startups that are in in on the continent. So I don't know. Um, Kind of sounded like a monologue now, but it's really yeah. what I'm, um, yeah. Yeah, what, what, it's, it is interesting. I think to your point about it in Africa, it's, it is, I mean, I don't think there's a, there's a general stat, an exact stat, but definitely across yeah. the main four regions, there's about a 95% penetration. Um, but then yeah. Europe, Europe and, um, Maybe the states a bit more, but a lot of other other Western regions, the penetration rate is is a lot lower, and and that's obviously for us. I mean, they're they're using a lot of digital products anyway, so the the primary channel yeah. that you would reach someone in those places is, is never going to be WhatsApp anyway. But it presents the opportunity because it means that all of the market research companies that are doing um, the sort of online or digital version of Pitching um, research from people and plugging into networks around, you know, millions of people around the world. Their yeah. their methods, their channels are not, um, in, you know, any of them are not through WhatsApp. So, uh, and that's that's a big reason why in Africa there's probably um, a lack of these yeah. big international companies that have. I mean, that you've got like millions of people in Latin America and places like Brazil that are that do research, um, yeah. but there just isn't that same presence in, in Africa. So we, we're like the, the least represented um, online or digital research continent. 
And, and I think obviously like a lot of things in Africa, that's just because the sort of existing technology infrastructure doesn't work for the African consumer. So yeah, it is super cool. Um, yeah. And I think what the, the bigger sort of picture, the macro um, aspect of the, ma- the macro mission of, of this business is, is to think more about what is, it is ultimately in, enabling. Um, and I've spoken to a couple of people recently who say that uh, maybe yeah. particularly venture capitalists who are sort of are looking at Africa and they're saying, this is the continent with the, the uh, biggest growth opportunity in the world. It's the, you know, it's yeah. the one continent that has got the highest growth potential to come. We know, we know if we're thinking long term, we need to sort of get into this and understand it um, and start to invest in parts of, of Africa that are actually, that are going to, you know, achieve amazing returns for us. And that's from a, yeah. you know, purely economic gains point of view. Businesses are looking at that. But the, you know, amongst other yeah. things like maybe perceived economic instability and that sort of thing, one of the, the big barriers to um, being able to feel confident in investing is, is the lack of, um, sort of accessible data or trustworthy data to then enable someone who's sitting in, in London or in America to um, yeah. understand the African consumer. And so in some ways, the fact that you can't easily get, you know, get data on, on your African consumer or your African businesses yeah. in, in the same way that you can in Europe, it almost yeah. prevents foreign direct investment into Africa and, and probably, you know, is, is, is costing, you know, potential millions or billions of dollars. And just yeah. because of, you know, of, of that sort of barrier. And, and I think that's why it's really exciting for us to be thinking now we're in South Africa, we're doing this on WhatsApp, but broader than that, we are actually going to be enabling um, accessible data to businesses that would then potentially invest or grow and expand into Africa. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think it's a, it's a really exciting space to be in right now. Um, it's one that's also, it's, it's, it's not a cut and paste um, solution that we that we're going after like we're using whatsapp now but i think we see ourselves as being broader and and higher than just surveys survey is a source of data um but we are already starting to partner with um existing data sources or you know data warehouses in africa um through maybe the likes of like your loyalty programs um big big all the big retailers in africa um, issue loyalty, loyalty cards to their customers yeah. so that when you shop, you'll get a discount or, um, you know, the opportunity points and that would then enable you to buy something for free. But what these companies have is lots of um, behavioral and purchasing behavior data, which means that, you know, partnering with companies like that would then um, enable us to also sort of uh, give a more holistic view of, of how consumers in Africa are spending and moving. Um, and so that's actually sort of more of a, a, a bigger play is, yeah. is thinking about, um, you know, maybe like M-Pesa or other um, local sort of payment infrastructures in, in various countries where like uh, mobile money is, is the main form of payment and, and wondering if we yeah. can sort of anonymously leverage that to, um, to tell to give paint a picture of kind of what's happening in in those African regions that um, you know growing businesses outside of Africa want to um, yeah. find out.
And um, have you have you guys had any clients so far, or any um, penetration within the Namibian market? Within the Namibian market, did you say? Yes. Yes. So uh, no, we haven't had a client, but I'm not. I think maybe one of your. I guess it's we have. I, I know one person from Namibia, um, and that's yeah. uh, that's Ryan from Linkwise. Um, and he, I don't know if you know Linkwise, they're, they're an interesting company. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, payments. Shame, I wouldn't put pressure on him to become a client now, but um, yeah. <laughs> I chatted to him last week and that was very interesting. And um, yeah, I would love to, I would love to actually connect more with the movie and businesses, but I guess they're just not on my radar right now. Yeah. And like I said, it's also a very interesting market to work with because we, we share the same struggles too. And I've spoken to a few CEOs that are coming, the, the executive team rather, it's, um, they are not Africans. And what they are really struggling with as well from um, my observation is getting you know, real-time data from the rural communities to drive and to, to showcase their products in those communities. So that could be also an entry point. And it could also give insight yeah. in terms of um, strengthening our own market research ecosystem, which currently does not exist in the country. We have to literally start from scratch, which is not even start from scratch. It's more like trial and error and do a lot of A and B testing. If you want to market something on Instagram, we don't really have a great understanding of our own consumers. So yeah. that could be... Uh, the long run, that is something that I would love to also assist. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I mean, all the people that I'm going to be speaking um, with on the show, it's really to also see what are the most critical areas that we can collaborate or um, do better, which you'll get to understand as we um, finalize this episode. We're moving to the second phase of the show, it's really just to to tackle serious issues on within our respective countries and then collectively also on the continent. So me asking this kind of questions is also just gathering a bit of insight in terms of you know, where you are mentally. Mm. And uh, yeah, and yeah, it's just also just um, especially in, in from a from a Namibian point of view, it's really just I want to disrupt a few things <laughs> in a good way, obviously, and. You know, get the conversation shifted. Um, and for one, the conversation that I'm really interested in right now is also the future of work um, in the country yeah. and on the continent, um, and particularly for startups as well. And that's going to lead us into our next discussion point, which is really around hybrid working and how it pertains to your startup, for example. Are you currently, or not now at least, but as you are going to be expanding um, are you open to adopting a hybrid recruitment strategy? What are your thoughts around that? Um, yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Um, so currently, I'm actually I'm in Cape Town, but I've been in I've been traveling in Africa for the first three months of the year, and in Kenya, Tanzania, and Mozambique. Um, yeah. So personally, I'm li living quite a remote lifestyle. And um, obviously, from a business, from running my business point of view, that yeah. is 
how the company will be run for this for the next little bit. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think my, my mentality towards it is always going to be one of like, you know, open-handed just to see what works and what doesn't work. But what I think is, um, is the, like, is the right thing for a small team is probably to, um, you know, be, we working to be together at, at, at least at points in, in the year, um, working, you know, in close proximity with, with one another. And again, like, maybe to draw the analogy to like a little army or a little team that is going to battle. And yeah. um, I think it makes yeah. sense for, um, from the, from the point of view of just like really feeling bonded and together and in, in it together on mission. And, yeah. um, so that's what I would like to do. Um, so once also the team is formalized, that's what I'll sort of like try and implement is, is some, um, sort of recurring structure where we, we meet up. Um, I think from, from my point of view, um, yeah, you know, like everyone's had this conversation, there's always trade-offs. So personally, I probably yeah. work a lot more efficiently on my own and I control my schedule, my everything. Um, I get to just engineer, you know, how my day looks. And yeah. when you go to the office, there isn't that. And, um, you don't actually have as much control in, in like <laughs> when you get to do deep work exactly. or not. Um, exactly. however, obviously if there's those like, Conversations, those improv conversations that don't would never happen if you weren't in person with one another. And um, I think so. Then there's an advantage always to be in, in places where you get to speak to other people. Um, sort of in counter to that, though, what what is interesting, just also in terms of your first point about um, how information is moving in the sort of the modern era, and maybe not as much as you'd like in Libya, uh, with an yeah. example of podcasting. Podcasting is quite interesting, um, I guess, new channel that enables you to hear the best, sort of most phenomenal minds in the world speaking about the things that they are most knowledgeable and passionate about. So in a very um, sort of selfish and non-humane way, in some t- yeah. in some senses, it can be more, a better use of your time to be sitting on your own and listening to the best minds in the world in your ears than it would be if you were in an office with other people. Um, exactly. not, not to say that you would like maintain that forever, but I think yeah. when people get caught up on like, oh, I can't learn new things because I'm on my own, I, I find that uh, quite amusing because I'm, I do it a lot more efficiently than I ever would have been able to if I was in an office. And, um, and so yeah. I think that was also something that I'm very intentional about is, is creating my, my inputs to, um, have the best chance of success that I'll learn something incredibly impactful that would then allow me to make a really strong, good business decisions. Um, and that's okay. if my channels. Everyone's got, I think I read James Clear's book um, earlier this year. And yeah. um, I think what is nice about that book uh, and because it's, it speaks to the human condition really nicely that, you know, rather instead of like grinding yourself into a, a triangle when you're always going to be a square, um, yeah. rather like, like be disciplined in those, you know, in those aspects of yourself, which fit into the square. And, um, for me, that is by, I've got like, it's a system where I get, you know, I get sort of daily mailers. I normally read those from seven thirty to eight and that feels quite easy. Um, yeah. LinkedIn is, it's, I follow and connect with people that 
speak about interesting things. So that's also just a naturally um, simple way to find out what's going on. Um, and podcasts I listen to when I drive. And, and that's, again, like, it doesn't feel like an overhead. So all the time you're learning, but you're not, you're not really um, ever feeling like you're exerting a, you know, copious amounts of effort to actually get it done. And exactly. I think that's a critical thing is to try and sort of fold into your routine in your lifestyle and those, those sort of learning habits. Exactly. Um, but one, one thing I was I speaking for long, but one thing I didn't no, really answer fine. exactly <laughs> is, yeah. the, is that sort of aspect of remote in person and how, how to um, also optimize, I guess, meetings and, and general interactions. Um, and I am very big on sending videos. Um, and this, now at the moment, I'm sending, sending Slack videos actually because I'm still mm -hmm. on a free account of Loom. Um, I don't yeah. sure you know Loom. Everyone knows Loom. Yes. Yes. But, but generally, in, so in South Africa, voice notes are far too popular and are you yeah. way too much because, and it just, it's very frustrating because you actually, you just need to quickly know what it's about and you can't until you listen. So yeah. I, I sometimes find that annoying, but, but in between on, on Slack, you can send a video and you can watch it at um, 1.5 speed and see what the other person's yeah. doing and, uh, and have their face also speaking to you, which is slightly more personal. Um, so exactly. that's, that's a big, that's a big part of, um, my sort of regular behavior that I think enables my team to in some way feel a bit more connected to me because they get to see me speaking and like uh, yeah. being candid and, and going through my computer and saying that this is the problem. Um, and then the other, other aspect of that is being a lot more efficient and not ever yeah. forcing a meeting when you don't need to actually have a meeting to, to like resolve something. So, um, yeah, so I think it's also being, being very clear about what a meeting's for and, yeah. um, and then there's like what are other communication channels for, like, you know, like Slack or sending videos. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, you touched on something very interesting. You said you control your input, which I think it's, in, in this day and age, you can't really afford not to. Um, and all the more that you're leading a team, that's, probably very diverse from you. You do need to keep, and what I'm always surprised about is that, you know, when you propose people to use new technology, as such as in this application, you know, there's a little bit of resistance. Like, no, why can't we do it another way? Why can't we? But it, it's, it's done so intentionally because it's only in, you know, doing a lot of stuff or trying a lot of different things that you're also able to, um, you know, going back to the word of, to, to the term of neuroplasticity, for example. Yeah. You can't get to that stage if you are not going to provide your brain with, you know, with new stimuli. And all the more as a CEO to a company that is still in, or taking rather shape, um, podcasting, listening to, uh, yeah, listening to, to people that in some cases uh, I've listened to a few episodes on Abigail shows and it's like the most simplest thing, like productivity hacks. You know, you would think yeah. that I think everybody should know how to be productive, but you, know, <laughs> you find people that spend like two hours just talking about how to be productive, how to organize your to-do list. <laughs> and you're driving and you're listening to that and it's 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 
semi-productive, but the majority mm-hmm. of people that I have observed, yeah, they don't invest as much time because it's either you don't see the value, the immediate value of it, you know, instantaneously, or yeah, you basically just are lazy to learn anything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. and then you also mentioned LinkedIn, which there's also a strategy with regards to using LinkedIn, which, um, which has been really interesting to also observe, um, especially from the African market. There are people that, you know, writing a post, for example, may not be so effective. Instead, you put the post in, um, in an article form, for example, that, which would get you a little bit more engagement as opposed to, yeah, I'm digressing a bit, but the point is that all of this, yeah, all of these things would not have happened, or you wouldn't have come to know of it if you don't challenge yourself as a CEO or any other part of leadership within the organization to actually try to do things better. And that's, in short form, that's one of the reasons why, again, why we are here, why we're having these kind of conversations. Exactly. Um, I think on LinkedIn, on my journey as well, I personally don't, I'm an interesting mix of introversion, extroversion, and probably yeah. prefer smaller groups naturally and feel empowered to speak like and be bold, but in bigger groups, not as much. Um, so generally on social media, I would second guess a lot and not want to actually sort of be opinionated or speak out about anything. And, Exactly. I've had to be very disciplined and and have a like a, a deep do a lot of deep research into the business value of telling your story or speaking about what it is that you're doing and the space that you're in. Yeah. Because ultimately, as a young person in, I mean, I guess in any business, but particularly in a business where your potential customers are on LinkedIn and all your potential yes. partners, stakeholders, investors, whatever it may be. Um, journalists that would write about you they're all there exactly. and it's it takes a lot of time to curate and like build those relationships if you are not um you know using like digital methods because if exactly. in the old example it's it's literally just face to face and you know in-person meetups and introductions so as this if you think about that from a scalability point of view your reach is based on you know, how you how many people you meet in a, in a point in the day. Um, yeah. and it's, it's going to take a long time. So as a young person, yeah. <laughs> um, our network is something that you don't actually have as much of. And so you have to be very sort of strategic in knowing how to build that and knowing how to exactly. find people that sort of are doing the same thing as you. Um, and it really is, I mean, yeah, I think everyone sort of has, knows now, but LinkedIn is a, um, a very useful place to get out there what you're doing and um you know personally has contributed to like a lot of our clients have come from from that um yeah. you know, from that social media source and so i think i would encourage people to to try and have a look at it and think about their own sort of uh, you know sort of thought exploration yeah. journey that they could then articulate you, you know all, all the things that they're passionate about to to, to get to start the journey of becoming comfortable actually sharing about those, sharing those things. And that, sorry, kind of cut you off, but that kind of also just speaks to um, engaging with intent, isn't it? Because um, 
you're not just, and I love the fact that you also said that you, you'd rather not be opinionated. And sometimes the best, the best approach is really just to sit back, listen, learn, and then, you know, if you have something worthy to say or write, then you can post that, which also just, yeah. um, yeah, I'm able to actually, um, respect somebody who, respect somebody all the more being like that as in as much as you do really, you know, you, you are highly educated or whatever, the, whatever the case may be, but your ability to listen and observe and speak when you really need to speak and bring value to a conversation. That is, that is a very crucial skill, especially on, on social media or whatever. And another thing as well that you touched upon, everybody is using LinkedIn and, you know, us having this conversation is a result of LinkedIn. What I've also come to realize is that, um, for example, if you're putting out a post and somebody likes that post, what most people don't know, which really speaks to how the algorithm is based uh, of your brother, when you like or react to a person's post, it gets, it's visible to that person's metric. So if yeah. <laughs> you have 50 people that are liking a lot of crap, eventually, <laughs> and that person's metric, you know, you have a potential client sitting in that person's network and they get to see that, oh, this is what Kim is putting out. It kind of waters down you know, your, your message essentially. So yeah. digressing once again, but. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's different. It's also different from obviously from like your meta platforms, Instagram, yeah. mainly Instagram. I, um, I think Twitter's maybe somewhere in in between. But where the well for, for the one part, the demand of for content is less than supply. And I think there's a stat yeah. that only one percent of LinkedIn of people on LinkedIn actually produce any content. Um, yeah. There's I mean there's there's ridiculous stats about that people. Majority of, of people on LinkedIn have never even, never even really liked anything or engaged. So yeah. you're sitting with quite a sort of scared audience that's obviously yeah. probably a lot of the time frightened because it feels intimidating and everyone's got to seem so clever to, to exist yeah. in this space. Which means that what LinkedIn is trying to do is actually promote people to write and produce content and they're making it really favor, favorable terms for you compared to Instagram where Everyone's yeah. fighting for your eyes. Your eyes. It's like you know, it's red water. Um, yes. So that may change, and and while it hasn't changed, it's a good sort of it's a, in a good space now because um, we've got a, a nice algorithm and algorithm favorable algorithm that means that you should be posting now and be able to grow your audience fairly easily without actually having to spend money. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one one other thing I just one of the points that I like to think about, um, and it's part, partly why I said, you know, I spoke about in, inputs and curating them. Um, yeah. What I what I've tended to observe in myself is that um, a lot of my great ideas come from sort of a morph of something else I heard from someone else. So um, this the strategy that this company. Sort of deployed, or the, the way that they approach this this problem um, is different to mine. But a lot of what the characteristics of the, the things that they did could actually be sort of transposed into my particular context. And when you listen to people doing phenomenal things, and 
you hear how they approach think other things it obviously trains your brain to sort of adopt their thinking patterns and you're in some ways you're yeah. almost like sort of rewiring a bit of your neural networks um, but it also inspires you and um, it's it's incredibly I think a lot like I've even heard it said before that your outputs are often a function of your inputs and the quality of your inputs is um, you know a major contributor to your outputs so um, it's another thing that's also fairly easy to do I've sort of spoken to that already but like being strategic with the quality of the inputs that you um yeah that you consume and spending time like actually and curate kind of just means um being able to readily and frequently access those resources so that it's simple for yourself to do and put them in like a place that you can come back to or follow or subscribe to um a particular media platform that actually really helps you in, in what you can be doing. I think those are really valuable things to do exactly. that are low cost. But like for let's suppose for example, um how do you how would how do I rephrase it? For somebody who's never been like that, how do you how would you motivate somebody to get to that type of thinking or mindset? Um there's a lot there is a lot of information but not a lot of people are motiv- motivated to, you know, to learn to, yeah, as you said, the quality of your input is a large determinant of your, of, yeah, of your outputs. So if that speaks towards value already, how do you get somebody who's not operating at that level to, to see things from your view, from your viewpoint? Well, I guess the one thing is that you can't someone to do something that they, you know yeah, I feel like yeah. is that saying about you can't force the dog to eat dog food or something like that yeah. <laughs> that's not exactly it but, but yeah. um, for me it would probably come down to feedback loops and when you have a positive feedback loop where the thing that you spend time learning becomes implementable in your life and there's tangible value created from, from your knowledge that you've just accrued um, that then yeah. is, it's a, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's like, a, it's, it's drug-like in a way because you get that positive feedback, feedback loop that then tells your brain to spend time yeah. doing something and it's had valuable, a valuable impact into uh, something else. So then you can scale that. Um, and so that probably starts with trying to solve a problem by, by researching, by finding a source that explains it really nicely that actually you feel like man that was impressive the way that yeah. this guy or girl explained this this concept on youtube um and it probably then means that you should be open to seeing more videos by that person or if it was a um you know a blog post and you see that there's another link to another site or there's you know, something else that comes up as a recommendation i probably yeah. um allocate bit of open time to being able to explore and feel not not so bound to um you know to not like to being fixated on one thing there's always a time and place for it for this and so sometimes yeah. it's, it's not the right thing to, to do to go exploring but 
Um, I think you naturally want to just start observing uh, what what happens. But and then maybe another good entry point is if you if you're into Twitter, if you're into LinkedIn, um, Twitter particularly is probably easiest for this. But go find the people in your niche, in your whatever it is that you're doing, um, and follow those those accounts. And you know, follow the best people, <laughs> and then they'll they'll tell you what they do. You'll see what they, how they engage with other people, and you'll follow those people. You can actually, um, yeah, grow into a community quite easily.